Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. So how's everybody doing? Doing good? Are we okay there, Romeo? Yeah? All right. So uh, I guess about this time, you guys are like, man, I am teached out. Uh, i just ready to go home. Anybody feeling like that? Just one honest person in the back. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, I'm really, I'm just, I'm really, oh, I'm done. And uh, the sponge is full. You know, we've soaked up everything we can. And uh, so they just leave the dregs for the last, you know, give, throw Brian a bone uh, in here in the last. Uh, but uh, well, I'm going to talk to you about the gospel course uh, today. And uh, have you guys enjoyed learning about the uh, Friends of International Ministry? Yeah? It's really awesome. What, an, a tr- what a tremendous way uh, to be able to reach out and to show the love of Christ and to be able to reach people for Christ. And so... Uh, why don't we pray, and then we'll kind of jump in, and uh, we we usually want to finish at noon, right? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. so I, I hope that I'll have you out before that. Anybody be in favor of that? Yeah. <laughs> another, another honest. It's, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Um, why don't we pray, and then we'll uh, we'll jump right in. Father, Lord, I want to thank you so much for your word. I want to thank you so much, Lord, for all that you have done for us. Lord, all all that we want, our only desire is to be able to share the gospel, to be able to win people to Christ, as hard as that is. I just pray, Lord, that you please help us, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would uh, give us that passion for you and compassion for other people to be able to uh, step out when it's so scary to do so and to be able to talk to them, be able to share the gospel with them, even though it's difficult sometimes to say, we love you, Father, and we just pray that you would please help us. We do all this, Lord, because we love you. We want to honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me get my Bible out here. All right. So uh, the reason why uh, I wrote the gospel course is because uh, we spend a lot of time at our church uh, trying to teach people kind of how to get that conversation started. And um, we developed a, uh, a philosophy of evangelism called Just Ask. And uh, I hope that next year uh, we'll actually uh, have the, the book ready uh, entitled Just Ask that will kind of uh, detail the entire philosophy, and um, but we we spend a lot of time trying to teach people how to do that, and we're like, there's a lot of people out there who will talk to you about the gospel, who will at least listen if, if you'll just ask, and we think that that's one of the best ways uh, to kind of be bold without burning the bridge, is to just do that thing that is so awkward and like we don't even often uh, think of it. Uh, because uh, we, we always kind of want to work it into the conversation, you know, 
and uh, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but we have found oftentimes that once you feel like that, you know, a certain amount of relationship has been established, and that that differs depending on the culture that you're talking to, depending on the people that you're talking to, you know, how much of that foundation needs to be laid. It does differ. But once you feel like that, you have a bit of a foundation, just, just ask them, just come out and ask and say, you know, would you like to talk about that? You know, would you like to have a cup of coffee, you know, and uh, sit down and just let me uh, share the gospel with you. And, uh, and then of course you get all kinds of responses to that. Whenever you say, Hey, would you like to do that? Especially where we live when you get the responses and people are like, uh, no, I mean, uh, thanks, Brian, but you know, that's not for me or, uh, oh, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds great. And, uh, and then you never, uh, hear from them again. And, uh, you know, those kind of things. And so you get all kinds of responses, but whenever they do respond, then you get an idea of where they stand, right? You know, kind of if they're interested or if they're not interested. And we kind of, our philosophy kind of is that uh, we are interested in those who are interested. So we want to kind of always have our feelers out for those people that we can tell that they're, they're interested in the gospel. And uh, so we're asking people, hey, would you like to talk about it? You know, and if they're like, no, well, then we're like, oh, well, that's fine. You know, we'll still be their friend and still pray for them, still love, but we're not going to spend necessarily the next three years building a bridge. Me and Andrew both know what it feels like to spend years building bridges to someone only to find out after all of those years that they're not interested. And, uh, and we're like, oh, what are we doing? You know, and uh, so we, we really understand what that feels like. And so we, we found out it's actually better to build the relationship on the gospel, right? What a great way to build a friendship, uh, you know, by starting with ideas of the gospel and asking about the gospel and seeing where that relationship goes. I do have friends that, uh, especially in the past that, you know, I was friends with them and they were lost, but they, they knew uh, what I was trying to do the whole time. They knew I was trying to lead them to Christ. And, and they were kind of like, okay, with the fact that I was trying and they were okay that it was never going to happen, you know? Um, but they knew that's what I was trying to do. And if anyone in the conversation, if we're having coffee and if, if, if anyone brought up something that was like even slightly, you know, kind of leaned towards something eternal or spiritual, you could see some of them like, oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, Brian, that's Brian's cue, right? And uh, so they knew that what I was trying to do. And, um, and that's great because everything's on the table and uh, you can just uh, talk about it freely and you can be yourself. I ran into this lady who I was uh, teaching on Just Ask, the philosophy in Ireland. And um, this lady came up to me afterwards and she was like, uh, man, she's like, I, I really want to do this. And she said, I think my friends, and she was, you know, a woman that was probably just maybe a little bit older than me. And um, she was like, I think my friends are going to be really surprised because most of my close friends, they don't even know that I'm a believer. So when I start talking about Jesus to them, they're going to be like, where's this coming from, you know, and uh, that happens, doesn't it? You're like friends with someone for so long, and you're trying to play it so cool that they don't even know you're a Christian, and then when you come out with Jesus, you know, and they're like, they feel like uh, it's like a bit, a bit of bait and switch, you know, and they're like, what's going on? I just think it's better to have everything on the table. Be yourself. Be who you are. You're a Christian, and if they don't like that, well, that's okay. You just love them anyway, uh, but you're going to be yourself, and I think that it's just a lot more free, and it's a whole lot more fun to be that. Sometimes, 
sometimes. Uh, there are times you get it. But uh, so anyway, we try to teach people all that all the time. Just, just ask, A-S-K, all the time, A-S-K, ask permission, share the gospel, and keep that conversation going. Just all the time trying to teach them how to do that. Ask their permission. Would you like to talk about it? Who do you believe Jesus is? Just always asking, 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 and, and share the gospel. You know, don't share your politics, don't share all of your opinions, don't share necessarily all of your experiences, because your testimony is great. And it is a great way to be able to share the gospel, but it's not the gospel. Uh, and you, your experiences are wonderful, and they're your experiences, and they're valid and important and interesting, but they're not the gospel. That what they really need is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that, that pertains to their sin and their eternity. They really need that. So you got to make sure the S part in there is like so valid and so vital, and it's so easy to miss it. Isn't that weird? Like when we're sharing the gospel with people that we can like talk for hours and we walk away and we're like, no, I don't think I ever really gave them the plan of salvation in that. You know, you can talk about everything from politics to revelation and, you know, your experiences and how your dead grandmother, you know, haunted your house and uh, all this kind of stuff and your uh, spiritual experiences that, you know, and, and then you walk away and you're like, holy cow, I didn't actually give them the gospel. So the S is like so important, but then the K is like vital because, you know, it takes usually more than one conversation to win someone to Christ. So you want to keep the conversation going all the time. And if, if they're like, man, Brian, you know, I had a guy who was like, this is just not for me. I'm like, I, you know, I totally understand, Jamal. It's no big deal. I said, Do you, would you like to meet again? Talk about it some more? And he's like, sure, why not? You know, we did that like six times at the end of it. He's like, I'm an atheist, Brian. I just, I mean, you're a nice guy and everything, and but I'm not interested. I'm like, all right, you want to meet again? And he's like, sure. <laughs> You know, and uh, I mean, I was buying all the coffees and, and it was so funny. I just talked to him the other day. He, he moved to Vermont and he's a thriving, growing Christian, has actually his own little YouTube channel where he's like trying to win people to Christ now, which is so cool. Um, and uh, we were just talking. We did a little uh, YouTube. I, he invited me to be a guest on his little YouTube uh, channel. And um, uh, we were talking about that. And he's like, you know, I didn't have the heart to tell you that I, I don't even drink coffee. he's like I don't even like coffee and we're like doing this like six times in a row you know and um but yeah he finally got saved and but I just kept the conversation going just kept asking him you know do you want to meet again I figured he's either going to get saved or he's going to tell me to get lost one of the two but uh I'm just going to keep uh bugging him to death until he finally gets saved so anyway so we we constantly are trying to teach people how you know that very kind of simple approach uh, that I think is a very polite way to be bold, you know? And uh, we talk a lot about the kind of the two extremes. You have the guy over here that's like right in your face. He's like the blowtorch, right? He's just like always has no idea really to how to have normal conversations with people. He's just always full on in your face. And you, we don't really want to be that guy, right? Because he's burning bridges all over the place. He's like the bridge burner. And then you have the, the, the bridge builder, Okay, which is good. We want to build bridges, don't we? But we also don't want to use bridge building as an excuse. Sometimes we can do that. We can build bridges and build bridges and build bridges, and we don't ever actually cross them. 
We're just all the time, what are you doing? Oh, I'm building bridges. Well, great. That's not the commission. <laughs> it's, uh, it may be a vital part, you know, in getting to Christ to people, but that's not the commission. So you have the two extremes, but we want to be bold, but we don't want to be bridge burners either, you know, because sometimes, man, it, it's like years and someone finally comes around, you know, uh, just as, a, as an aside, the people in your life, the relationships you have, uh, they never go away. Relationships never really go away. People are like zombies. They just come back into your life. And this person that you totally burned the bridge with earlier and you thought, oh, I was so righteous and so right. And you just were, you know, went off on them and you really got them good. And, and then later it's like their cousin who's going to decide whether you get the job or not, right? And people never go away. <laughs> Nobody ever goes away. So in your own interest, be kind to people, be nice uh, to people. It just it very seldom does it ever really pay off to really give it to somebody good, all right? Be, be gracious and be kind to someone, uh, unless they really deserve it because it feels good at the time. So yeah, you can do that. But so anyway, we're trying to tell people, you know, ASK, ask, share the gospel, keep the conversation going. So we're doing all that. And uh, this guy in our church comes up to me and he says, okay, you know, you know, we get it. Ask, right? And uh, he's like, but uh, okay, I'm asking people. And uh, I never expected this question. He says, well, what do I do if they say yes? <laughs> and I was like, um, I said, I think maybe you missed a class or two, right? Because if, he's like, what if they say, if I'm like, hey, would you like to meet up for coffee and talk about the gospel? And they're like, yes. He's like, oh, uh, I expected you to say no. And then I would like, oh, I know where he stands and I'm not going to, you know, and then walk off and that would be the end. And he would be like, I did my part. He's like, but then I had someone say yes to me. And I was like, holy crap. Now what do I do? And uh, is it okay to say holy crap on the thing? Are we recording this? <laughs> yeah, censor that out. All right. Yeah. You don't want to have that crap in there, but, um, oh, I did it again. But, uh, you know, um, so he was like, what do I say if uh, they say yes? Because someone has said yes, and I don't know what to say. And I'm like, um, I'm like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll be right back. So I went to my office for like two weeks, and I wrote the gospel course, and I came back with the papers, and I was like, okay, say that right? That's what the, that's how the gospel course was written. It was never intended to be published, really, uh, when I wrote it. I just wrote it for my friend Paul, who wanted to share the gospel, because he was saying to me, he's the guy I've been training for so long, you know, and he was like, listen, I know the gospel backwards and forwards. This guy knows his Bible. So this is not for, you know, people that are like beginners necessarily. It is for beginners, but not just for beginners. It's not just for people that, you know, uh, don't know their Bible, or something like that. It's not a, a, you know, something like, hey, you know, obviously you don't know what you're doing and here, you know, there's a help. It's not that. It's uh, because Paul knows what he's doing. The guy can preach and uh, the guy knows his Bible, but he's like, look, if I'm going to share the gospel with someone, that's an important meeting. He's like, I want to get it right. You know, he's like, so what, what would you say, Brian, if you were sitting down with them, what would you say? He says, because understanding, this is what he said to me, and it really stuck. He said to me, he said, understanding the gospel, which we all do, because we believed it enough to save our souls, right? He said, understanding the gospel 
is different than explaining the gospel. And I was like, wow. And he's like, there's going to be people in our church, Brian, that they may understand the gospel, but they may not know how to explain it. I'm like, all right. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, just hang on. And I went to my office. And so I wrote this down and I brought it back. I said, okay, take this uh, to your friend and, you know, say that. And he's like, cool. So he did. And so he went and he shared this with him, walked through it with them. And then they got saved and he came back and he's like, all right, they got saved. I'm like, great. That's amazing. So he's like, so what do I say now? And I'm like, come on, man. I can't. I mean, when, when does it stop? You know? And he's like, so I actually just went, I, I said, okay, hang on. And I went back to my office and I read, I wrote a second one uh, called brand new. That's going to come out the beginning of this year. Uh, Brandon, uh, got a hold of that. And so he's going to publish that. It's a companion to this. Uh, that's a follow-up for whenever they do say yes, and you meet them and you lead them to Christ. And so what do I say to them then? It's kind of just a short companion and it's not really steps. It's more of like, uh, let's help you get the right perspective on this Christian life um, right from the outset. And so it's like, uh, oftentimes when people come into Christianity, they think of it as now I've got all these new duties that I have to add to my life. We've had people who are like, well, I understand what you're saying about the gospel. And, you know, I get it. It makes sense. And even when people are saying that, you know, they don't get it. Right. Because if someone is saying to you, yeah, you know, I understand what you're saying. I mean, it sounds good. And I know it's true probably, but okay, then they don't get it at all. Right. Uh, but when people do say that, they're saying, but if that means I'm going to have to like sit down and read my Bible every day, if that means I'm going to have to come to church all the time and I have to give my money and I'm going to have to say no to certain things. And they're like, I don't know if I can commit to that. Now, especially where we live, uh, that's really the concept of Christianity that people have. It's like, it's about, it's really just another, it's more spiritual version of self-help and they're just trying to fix up their life. And I can, man, I can talk about grace, grace, grace. And what they're hearing me say is you need to change your life. I'm like, no, you don't. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm like, it's just grace. And they're like, so what you're saying is I need to fix up my life. No, I'm saying it's all grace that you can't fix up your life. There's nothing you can do to fix up your life. And they're like, so I need to make better decisions. No, that's not what, that's just what they're always hearing so I wrote the second part to try to under, help them understand that it's not duty, it's delight. That's why we do it, right? Uh, I use this illustration to death all the time, but it really works, so bear with me. So like if I come to my wife, that's her back there, look at her, you see her? She's, she's, so, she's so pretty. Um, and uh, so if I come to her and I'm like, bring a big dozen roses and I throw them down on the table and I'm like, well, there's your flowers. I did my job, you know, I hope that'll keep you quiet for a while, you know, as a husband, if that's what I do, because that's what husbands are supposed to do, right? Supposed to buy flowers for their wife. And I guess I'll take you out to dinner, you know, if you really want. Um, now, if I do that, now I've, I've done my duty, but those flowers don't really honor her, do they? Uh, in fact, they do quite the opposite. They kind of dishonor her. And let me tell you why. And this is not funny, but let me tell you why they dishonor her. Because what she knows in that moment 
is that there's nothing about her, there's nothing intrinsically about her that compels me to want to do that. You see what I'm saying? So those flowers, as beautiful as they may be, they dishonor her. Even though I'm doing what I'm technically supposed to be doing. That's how we serve Jesus all the time. Yeah, do I go to church this morning? I guess I will. That's my job. That's what Christians do, right? Uh, I'll, give, I'll give my tithe. I don't really want to. Should I go talk to this person? Well, I guess I will. I hope you're happy. You know, I did my duty. And it dishonors him. It dishonors him. Your righteousness dishonors him. Because he knows that there's nothing about him that compels you to want to serve him out of delight. And now there's nothing wrong with the concept of duty. Okay, I'm imagining Hudson being in here right now. If he heard me say duty, he'd start laughing. He's like, you said duty, man. He's, he's, yeah, he's a cool, he's a cool kid. Anyway, so uh, there's nothing wrong with the concept of duty, right? We should do that because there are some times that we don't want to do the right thing and you should do it anyway. That's good. But that should not be the rule of your life. The rule of your life should be that you do it because there's something about Christ that is so beautiful. There's something about him that is so wonderful that you are so in love with him that he compels you to want to do it out of delight. That's what brand new is really about, is to help get the right perspective that we do all of this so uh, we can enjoy him. That because of the gospel, because the gospel is all about grace, we know that there is nothing and you know this already, but there is nothing that you can do, nothing that you can do that will make him love you more or make him love you less. Think about that for just a second. Just let it sink in. Oh, wait. Now think about it. Nothing you can do that will make him love you less, and there's nothing you can do that will make him love you more than he loves you right now. So why are you doing anything? He's freed us, right, from the constraints of the law, which is all about I've got to do this so that he'll be pleased with me. He's freed us from the constraints of the law so that now we are free to just enjoy him, to delight in him, to find all of our joy in him, to experience him. You see what I'm saying? He's freed us. The freedom, the liberty that we have in Christ. That's why we say it's the liberty to serve. We have the freedom to enjoy him. And all the duties that we do are just the ways that we enjoy him. That's why it's a joy to buy flowers for my wife. It's not just a duty. It is a duty, but it's more than that. Because she doesn't want me to buy her flowers. She actually doesn't want me to buy her flowers because she thinks it's a waste of money. It's really romantic, isn't it? You know, she's like... How much did these cost, Brian? You know, and uh, so she actually doesn't. What? But you get the point. The point is, she doesn't. Your wife doesn't want you to buy her flowers. Listen to me now, guys. She doesn't want you to buy her flowers. She wants you to want to buy her flowers. That's the difference. Christ doesn't want you to serve him. Christ does not want you to serve him. 
he wants you to want to serve him. That's really the difference. And I think it's so important that we get that perspective straight right off the bat. And so that's what uh, the brand new is about. So looking at the gospel course a little bit, that's the reason why we wrote this is because it's like, okay, if I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna make a mess of it, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna break some eggs, you know, and I'm gonna make a mess, which is exactly what I encourage everybody to do. Every situation's different. It's okay, just jump in. If you don't feel like you know what you're doing, it's all right, just go out there and just start asking people, you know? And if you feel like, okay, I need to establish a little foundation here first, that's great, do that. But once the foundation is established, especially in like, you know, FOI, when you like, you have to establish some foundation first because you don't want people to think, well, all of this, we're just using this as a way to get you into our church. There's some trust sometimes that needs to be established and that's important. But when you feel like that that trust has been established and you have the opportunity, ask them, would you like to, would you like to sit down? with me and, and talk about the gospel. I heard that in some of the testimonies that someone's like, hey, would you like to just uh, sit down and talk about it? And you start asking people and then you think, okay, so what should I say? Well, that's what the gospel course is about. It's just a tool to help you because we want you, when you do get that open door, we want you to not just have the desire, we want you to have the words, you know? I know it sounds like a tagline because we, we totally wrote that down. Okay, so let's look at the gospel course uh, here just a little bit. Um, it's broken down. If you, uh, I don't know if any of you have one, if you don't, you should be ashamed of yourself and, uh, go, go get one of those. And, uh, if you have one, but it's basically broken down into three short sessions. The intention, you can see the brilliance of Brandon Briscoe on the cover. You see, it's these two little quote bubbles. I had a completely different cover for this book originally when I sent it to him. And he was like, he wrote back in his email and he's like, are you like uh, really married to that cover? And I'm like, uh, what the heck you talking about, Brandon? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and he was like, oh, you know, I'm just, was just wondering like if you were open to suggestions. Now he's working his way up to telling me it sucks, okay? <laughs> but he's like, I'm just wondering if you're open to suggestions. And I'm like, well, sure, man, from you. Yeah, I would love to get some suggestions. What were you thinking? And uh, so he was like, well, I'm just not sure about this. And so I, I sent him like five more covers. And after a while, he was like, dude, stop. Please stop. I'm, this is no joke. I'm not elaborating. I'm not embellishing. This was our conversation. And he was like, please stop. You're really overthinking it. And I'm like, well, tell me honestly. I said, do you, do you like the covers? <laughs> This is how insecure I am, right? I'm like, do you like the covers? Am I, are these good? I mean, should I keep my day job? What's the deal? And he was like, it was so funny. He, he wrote back to me. He says, listen, you're a good preacher. <laughs> he, he said, I think you should own that. I've never been so insulted by a compliment before. That's what he was really saying is he was saying, stop making the covers, you know, leave that to the professionals. And I was, so I was just like, oh, fine, right? So, and he said, what is it that you really want to accomplish with the gospel course? And I said, I, what I really want it to be is I want it to be two people over a cup of coffee, get into the Bible and just walking through three short sessions, just walking through the gospel course. And so he came up with this, these two little speech bubbles overlapping each other. 
you know, and I got it back and all of us were like, oh yeah. <laughs> That's really good, you know. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he really knows what he's doing, doesn't he? And, and Mindy's like, yeah, he does. <laughs> And uh, I said, I'm not, that's not really my area, is it? She's like, you're sweet, you're sweet, Brian, you know? And uh, she's like, anyway, and uh, Madison was the only one that was like, I like the old cover. She like kept the old one. She, yeah, I know. She was like, she kept it. She's like, I'm keeping, you know? She was like rebellious. She was like, yeah, yeah, right on, sweetie. <laughs> so um, yeah, she was the only one that kept the original one, the only one that was really true to her father. So that was really great. So, um, so he, this is what it's about. It's about two people over a cup of coffee or whatever you drink. Uh, Jamal, sorry that you didn't like coffee, <laughs> but whatever you drink, uh, just two people sitting down and walking through the gospel. So there's three short sessions. So let's just take a quick at them so we can kind of understand what we're doing. As we learned last night, as we looked in uh, Esther, um, the most important thing, even as, as as believers, if we're really going to appreciate the cross, it's only th as we really appreciate the depths of our guilt that we can understand and see the beauty of his grace. And then we're filled with gratitude. And man, that is even more so when it comes to someone who is lost. When it comes to someone who is lost, the number one thing, and you see this all the time today, I'm not going to go off, you know, on uh, ridicule and a bunch of other people. I mean, man, I, I get so overjoyed if anybody is out there sharing Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm just, I get so excited about that, especially like where we live. Uh, I mean, anybody that's out there sharing Jesus, I just, I always get a little excited about it. You know, uh, even people, crazy people out there doing it. I'm just like, however they're doing it, I, I really want Jesus to be shared. But uh man, so much of the gospel sharing today, it just goes straight to the, hey man, God's pleasure for you and you know God's acceptance for you is, it's just available and it's available for free and you can just take it and God loves you. He has a plan for your life and you can just take it. And that is not true. That is not true. His grace is free to you, but it is very costly. His acceptance is not free. His acceptance costs a whole lot. The only difference, the point of the gospel is that you didn't have to pay it. That's the point of the gospel. Christ had to pay for that grace and he paid a high price. And the reason why a high price has to be paid for this free gift to you is because of our sin. And if we don't understand sin, then we cannot understand the gospel. I had a guy I was talking to, uh, I was preaching at his church and he was talking about, man, what do you do with like second generation Christians? And, you know, they, they grow up all their life. And we understand this because we have kids growing up in our family, you know, and he's like, my kids, they've been growing up all their life and they've been praying and saying they're sorry for sins and praying to Jesus since they were born, you know, since they were little and coming to church and singing songs about Jesus. And, you know, so uh, what, what about them? You know, whenever they you try to you get them to accept Jesus Christ, uh, it's often he was saying it's not like a, a real point of clear point of decision in their life. They kind of ease into it. They kind of grow into it. And I was like, no, 
I said in English way, which is not that direct. You have to really beat around the bush with the English. And so I'm like, I really understand your perspective and I, I can understand where you're coming from, which means I don't agree with you at all. That's what English <laughs> means. Uh, I really appreciate the approach that you're taking to that means I think that you're an idiot. That's what that actually means. You really have to come around the bin. And so he's saying this and I'm like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. And he got me, you know, and, uh, and I said, but, the problem is, is that when the Holy Spirit goes to work on someone, uh, the cross is not the first thing he teaches them, right? The first thing that he teaches them is not that the acceptance is free and that God's grace is available. The first thing that he teaches them, we know this, you know, for the book of John says the Holy Spirit comes to first, what? To convict of sin, right? The first thing that the Holy Spirit reveals to someone, and that goes especially for second generation kids. If there's anyone that needs to hear that they're lost, it is someone who grows up in a Christian home. Of all the people in the world that need to hear that, uh, I, you know, I'm, you know, listen, we must tell you that, you know, when they're like, how come I can't take the juice at church? We had our kids ask us that. Hey, can I take the juice? I'm like, no, you can't take that. You know, that is for believers, that is for people who have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. They take that and they have to understand. And it's, it's awkward and it's difficult. And you're like, how come I can't do that? Or how come I don't take the bread? Or how come I don't participate in this? They need to know in the beginning that they're lost. Uh, I don't want to embarrass her, but when Madison first came to us and she's like, I want to be saved, uh, we put her off for like a year. And there's times whenever we're putting her off that like, I'm like, oh, am I making the right decision? Because I, I needed her to understand her sin. I needed her to understand that she needed Christ because she was a sinner. And finally she came to me and she's like, you know, I need this not because you and mom believe it. You know, I need this because I'm a sinner. If I don't have Christ, I'm going to go to hell. I was like, all right, you're ready. And so then I explained, then when you explain the cross, it makes all the sense in the world. And she got saved and boy, did she. And she told me, man, hey, I want to fly over to come live in Midtown for a while. And I'm like, you're the best evangelist we got in the church. <laughs> I can't lose you. Come on. And she's like, hey, man, I got to spread the love. So she came <laughs> over here. And, uh, but she really got it because she understood about her sin. And that has transformed even the way that she shares the gospel. That's why we start here. The first one is the sin of man. Okay. We just passed the preface in the introduction. And we'll go straight to the sin of man. And so we divide each section or each uh, lesson into two sections. You have the scriptures and you have the story. And the story that we follow all the way through is the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Uh, just for those of you who might not have a copy. And so we have the section where we go through the doctrine of it, the scripture part. And we basically help them to understand three things in the scriptures on the sin of man. One, the first one is that our spirit is dead. Uh, we liken that to broken branches, right? That's the illustration we use. So if you take like a tree branch and it's green and you break that off, right, from its source and you cast it to the side, we say, if you look at that, it looks the same for a while. It's still green, for a while, even when it lays on the ground, it looks the same, but eventually it's going to what? It's going to wither up and die, right? I said, that's, that's humanity. That's us. 
you know, we look fine right now, but we all know we're eventually going to wither and die. And the reason why is because we have been separated from God because of our sin. So we are all broken branches. When we're born, that's what we are. We're broken branches. And so we go through the scriptures that help them to understand that. And then we go, not only is our spirit dead, but our heart is dark. And we say that we are barren branches. That branch over there, not only is it eventually going to die, but it can't produce any fruit because it's separated. And that's what our whole existence is for. We are here to produce fruit unto God. We're here to live for his pleasure, not our own. And we can't do that. In other words, there's no way that we can ever please God in that state because we're separated from our sin. So we give him all the scriptures. We go through Genesis 6, 5, how the heart of man is so wicked. We go through Romans chapter 1, 21. Romans chapter 1 and 2 really focuses on the sin of man and the judgment and the wrath of God in those passages. John three nineteen that this is the condemnation, right? That men love darkness, right? Rather than light. That really is the condemnation. We have a sin nature that we can never please God in our flesh. We are not just broken branches, but we are barren branches. Does that make sense? So we help them to understand not only is our spirit dead, but our heart is dark. And we really try to help them to, to understand that, that it's not just that we do wrong things. Because most people that you talk to, you're like, and they're like, hey, man, nobody's perfect, right? Anybody's going to say that. You know, even the lost people say to err is human. It's one of their sayings. To err is human. To forgive is divine. It's a secular saying. They believe that people are mistaken, that they are flawed human beings. And they would even say that's part of our beauty, that we're flawed. You know, it's our imperfections that make us so perfect which is so dumb, right? That, that, when has that ever been the case? You know, it's like, look at this beautiful vase and it's broken. How beautiful. No, it's not, our, it's not the imperfections, and they, but they think it's the imperfections that make us so beautiful until you steal their stuff and then they're really mad about that. So we help them understand it's not just that we do bad things. It's that we like it. We like to do wrong stuff. We, we are barren branches. We have a problem. Our heart is dark. We like sin. You're walking along the path and you're just having a fun time, just walking out for a walk, you know, for people that do that stuff. And it's not till you see the sign that says, don't walk on the grass. And all of a sudden, what do you want to do? Like more than anything, I'm walking on the grass. No one's going to tell me that I can't walk on the grass. And now, and all of a sudden, you're walking, you're dancing on the grass, right? You're picking the sign up, you're shaking it over your head. And before you saw the sign, it never occurred to you to walk on the grass until you knew that you were not allowed to do it. There is something wrong with us. There is something really wrong with us. That's what Paul talks about. He's like, man, it wasn't until I saw in the law that you're not supposed to covet. Then I understood what lust really was in my life. You know, that's how the law slew him. When I saw that it was wrong, something came up inside of me that said, I want to do it. It's like a monster in our flesh. And you've got to kill it before it kills you. So we help them to understand. It's not just that we're flawed human beings. No, we like, we like sin. There's a, there's a problem with us. So because of that, our soul is damned. 
and this is not only broken branches and barren branches, but we are eventually going to be burning branches. And we say that when you have a broken branch that's been broken off, and we just appeal to their sense of logic, what else is there left to do with that branch? When it's been broken off and it's barren and it's just cast to the side, what is left to be done with that branch? There's only one thing you can do with it at that point. You just cast it in the fire so that you can burn it. You can use it for the fireplace, you know, and that's all that is left to be done. And so we help them to understand us. We go through the scriptures, first, you know, especially 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Actually, God is going to come back with flaming fire, and he's going to bring eternal destruction upon them who obey not the gospel. So we help them to understand that. And so that's where we, we come to the story. and We talk about that young man who tells his father, listen, I want my inheritance and I want to go off and I want to live my own life. You guys have read the story about the prodigal son. And so Jesus tells the story about a man with two sons. One ran from his father to enjoy sin. But we talk about in here because we deal in a very religious society that the, what that story is really about, it's really about the son who stays. Luke 15 is about the story, about really about the son who stays. And Jesus really reveals in that story, he reveals two kinds of sinners, right? And we call them right here in the book, we call them the runaways and the rule keepers. These are two different approaches, but the same heart. One is that of uh, self-indulgence. It's the sin of self-indulgence. These are the people that want to go to Vegas right? And they want to party it up. They want to live the life. They want to enjoy all of the things that can appeal to the flesh. Uh, but then you also have the sin of self-righteousness. And this is just as bad. And Jesus, remember when he's telling that story in Luke 15, who are the two groups that are listening to him? That's the whole reason why he told the story is because the self-righteous Pharisees were grumbling because he was talking to all these sinners over here. So he's like, well, let me tell you. He's really trying to say, you guys are both in the same boat. You just go about it two different ways. You might have the sin of self-indulgence, but you also have the sin of self-righteousness. I said, consider this. If you could have one thing, I'll, I'll even ask this to you guys. If you could have one thing that would make you feel secure and make you feel like somebody, what would it be? Yeah, think in your mind for a second. If you could have just one thing that would really make you feel like somebody, you know, would it be that jet black Camaro? You know, I like those. I really do. I think those are really cool. I'm never going to have one of those. I've, I've passed it. You know, I'm almost 50 now. If I get one now, it looks weird, right? So I like those. But what is that one thing that if you could get it, you could think it's going to be that job. Uh, it's going to be that hot wife. You know, if you're going to get that one thing that's going to make you feel like somebody, what would it be? And so what we say to them is that the problem with mankind is that the answer to that question is never God. That's never the answer to that question. We are all, son, we are, we are all the sons, both sons in the story. We are the sons of the story. Uh, and we all want the good life and we want to be viewed as a good person. This is what is true about every person that you will meet, that we all want the good life. And we all want to be viewed as a good person. 
That's the reason why self-justification is the default of, our, of the human heart is because we all love that sin, right? We dig it, but we all need everybody to think that we're a good person at the same time. So we have to figure out how to make our sin righteous. You see, so that we can still do it and we can still be a good person. So that's the reason why that we always justify, justify. And that's the reason why the world always tries to redefine sin. They have to. There's nothing else they can do with it. No one ever walks around thinking, I'm going to go do sin tonight because I'm dark and I just want to do it. No one does that. Now, that is what they want to do. They want to be free. And you do have the few crazy people out there that finally just kind of shake it all off and they just think, hey, man, this is me and all my glory and I'm just going to do it. But the vast majority of people, what they do is they have to redefine it. They got to justify it so that they can enjoy their sin and still be a good person. And so uh, these are the two people that you see in the story. And so we all want the good life. We all want to be viewed as, as a good person. We endeavor to achieve this in two ways. The irreligious, they run from God to get it. But the religion, the religious, they use God to get it. Those are always the two groups. They take pride. The religious always take pride in their righteousness while pretending that their sin isn't there. The irreligious they always take pride in their sin while pretending God isn't there. These are always your two groups. So the Bible teaches that whether you are a good citizen or a crook, and by the way, if I was not a Christian, I would be a crook. I would. I would be a criminal. Why, what, why would you ever be anything else? I have no idea. Why would you be an upstanding citizen and play by the rules? I do not get that. If I was not a Christian, I'd be stealing everything I could get my hands on. I'd be getting every, I mean, why? Why would you do that? But if it doesn't matter, if you were a good citizen or if you were a crook, if you were religious or if you were an atheist, if you were a priest or if you're a prostitute, we are all guilty of sin against God. We're all condemned to everlasting fire and hell because we all love sin more than we love God. But thankfully... That's not the end of the story, right? That prodigal son wanted to run off to get his sin. The other son wanted to stay to get his. We have the runaways and the rule keepers. So that's kind of the first installment. And then you're like, okay, so I'll see you next time. And they're like, oh my gosh, you just like leave them right there. And it's okay because they need to kind of simmer on that for a second. They need time to get mad about it. They need time to be okay with it. They need time to accept it for the Holy Spirit. So I think that that time in between is okay. Now, it has been done where people have gone through all three sessions in one go, and that's fine. But if you do need to break it up into three sessions, that, that can be very good too, because they have time to really resonate on that. So then we go to the salvation of God that is offered in the next, in the next uh, section. And so there, we, we broke that, the, the scriptures part down into three parts. We have uh, salvation is being rescued by God, that is forgiven. And this is what we always say about the salvation of God is that you are forgiven for free forever. Forgiven for free forever, that is the salvation. And so here we just talk about the grace. It's just nothing, everything before was just condemnation 
And now it's just nothing but grace, 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 grace. Salvation is you being rescued from God. God wants to, wants to rescue you from eternal damnation. He does not want to leave you in your sin and misery, but he wants to come and rescue you out of that. And he wants to declare you righteous and adopt you as one of his children. But salvation is also received by grace. It's being rescued by God, but it's also received by grace. It's for free. God is waiting for us with nothing but grace. When you come to him, that's all he's waiting with is nothing but grace. And salvation is reserved in glory. It's forever. We get to go to heaven as a result of being saved. God promises a home in heaven. So we take him back. We go through all the scriptures there, obviously. But then we take him back to that story and say, okay, let's go back to the story and see how the story is continuing. Is this right? The son left. I want my sin. The other son stayed. I want my sin. They're both sinners, self-indulgent, self-righteous, both lost, both lost. Okay, so how does the story continue? The runaway son finally comes to his senses. That's in uh, verses 11 through 32. They finally comes to his senses and decides to return to his father. And he devises a plan, this son does, to work off the money that he took so that he could earn his way back into his father's good graces. Remember when he came to himself, he's there in the pig pen and he's trying to eat the same food with the pigs. And he finally comes to his senses. He's like, what the heck am I doing? He says, even my father's servants have more than I do. He says, I know what I'll do. I'll go to my father and I'll say, make me one of your servants so that he can work off what he has stolen so he can pay it back and be back in good graces. And when he arrives, he finds his father waiting and watching for his return. His father runs to him. Now, when Jesus said this, when he said this in the story that the guy runs to his son, now you have to understand in that culture, in that time, that was a very feminine thing to do. He really, in the story, not only does he redefine sin for us, but he really redefines what our father is like. This, that would have been a very feminine thing to do because that son would have fully expected to be killed when he returned. That was what he would have expected. That's why he needed this plan to just hopefully say, I can pay it back, I promise. you know. And the father runs out to his son and falls on his neck and he kisses him, right? And he puts a new robe on his back and puts a ring on his finger and puts shoes on his feet. And everyone, you know, you could almost imagine the crowd gasping because that's not how they think about fathers. It's certainly not how they thought about God. And, he sa- and he's trying to say to them, he's saying, when you finally recognize your sin, when you come to God, this is all you can expect. When you come to God, this is all you can expect is nothing but grace. He's going to come and he's going to receive you. He's going to love you. He's going to take you back in. It's free. It's forever. And he's going to take you home with him. That's the salvation that he offers you. So we go through that story. And even now you're probably sitting there because you guys know your Bible and you're thinking something's missing. And you're right. There is a third story. We take them to the third story and we talk about the uh, savior of the world. That's in the third section, the savior of the world. So here we take them back to the scriptures We've already shown them the sin of man, and we've shown them the salvation of God that he offers to them. But then we take them to this section, the Savior of the world, where we talk about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the sacrifice for sin, 
and Jesus Christ is standing at the door. So we explained to them that who Jesus Christ is, that God is three in one. He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and God sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And we go through all of the scriptures, most notably John 3.16, right? Great verse. It's a wonderful verse. A lot of people know it. It's really easy to use when you're leading people to Christ. And uh, Jesus Christ is the sacrifice to sin, uh, for sin. Christ, uh, God sent his son to die uh, as a sacrifice for sin in our place as a substitute. Jesus died on the cross and rose again to purchase our salvation. Most notably there, Romans 5, 8, that you can see. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we go through his sacrifice. We also have Jesus is standing at the door. And here we talk a little bit about how it's so easy to accept. And I always take people to Revelation 3.20. That's one of the verses. And I know the theology students are like, oh, wait a second, Brian. We know that that's not talking to a person. It's really talking to the church in Laodicea. And I'm like, shut up. Come on. No, I don't say that. No, I, what I say is it's true. He's talking to a church there. You know, but the problem with that church, if you analyze it, the problem with that church is that they are a church that is lost. They're an apostate church. They're still holding church, and Christ is on the outside. These people are lost. They, they're still religious, but they are still lost, which is exactly what I think we're dealing with. And so he says very rightly to these people on there, he says, if you will open up the door, he says, then I will come into him, he says in the passage. To the individual, I will come into him and I will sup with him. So I think that the, the application can easily be made to both. Yes, that Christ needs to be part of the body, but Christ needs to be part of your life. And so I take them there. And I always explain to people that accepting Jesus Christ, is it's just like when you have a friend come over to visit and they knock on the door. And I said, what do you do? And they're always like, well, you just open the door and you let them in. I said, that's it. Jesus Christ is standing at the door of your heart. He's knocking. He says, if you just open the door and just invite me in, I will come in and we will sup together. Jesus always does stuff around food. He's always around the table. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. He'll come in. He'll say, we'll sit down at the table. We'll have a relationship. All you have to do, that's all you have to do. Just open the door. It's that easy. And so we talk about the place of Jesus Christ in their life. But then we take them back to the story. And we say, there's a little Easter egg in the story. I love those. Do you ever watch those, those movies and you can see the Easter eggs in the movies? of those, me and the kids, we love to find those things. And you find such a thing in the story in Luke 15, because before he can take the son back home to have this wonderful celebration, what does he tell his servants needs to be done? They've got to kill the fatted calf first. Yes, he sinned and he's guilty. And yes, the father wants to welcome him with open arms back into his home. But before that can happen, blood has to be shed. And so we go back to the story and we show them that the only way that a sinner can receive the salvation of God is if there is a sacrifice for sin, is if there is a savior. That's the reason for the cross. That's the reason why he died. He was the calf that was slaughtered so that you could be made right with your heavenly father. So then after we get done with that, 
And I know I went through that fast, but you know, it's there and you guys probably know more about this than I do. So you can fill in the blanks. We take them to this last part. And I think that this is one of the most important parts, not necessarily in the value of content, but I think it's one of the most important parts that really gets overlooked. I know, especially where we live um, and this idea of making a personal decision and we can really do this. And a lot of times this is where we really drop the ball is in making a personal decision. And I really think it's necessary that someone make a personal decision. So we go through very, you know, kind of step-by-step, step, what do I do now? So in the story, all the elder brother had to do was receive his father's invitation and come inside. And like the elder brother, we all stand at that same crossroads. Do you see how I put crossroads in the, like that? That was good, right? So uh, we all stand at that same crossroads and we all have a choice to make. And so that's, you can see in the story, the prodigal son, that's the way the story ends. The son come, comes home and the elder brother, he's hacked. I mean, he is mad, right? Because he's having a party and the father comes out and he's like, man, your brother's home. We should celebrate. He was dead. Now he's alive. He's not happy. He's like, man, I've been here keeping the rules. You never gave me what I really wanted, you know, and I've been here keeping the rules the whole time. Have you ever considered that the reason why he's so mad, because they divided their inheritance, right? And the guy went off and he spent it in Vegas and he lost all of his money at the craps table, right? Then he came back and now he's living back at home again. Who's he living off now? Where's that money coming from? That's all coming out of the elder brother's inheritance at this point. See, he's paying for that and he doesn't want to. Uh, aren't you glad that we have an elder brother that gave everything to save us? But this elder brother doesn't want to do that. He's mad. And the story ends. The story ends right there with the elder brother outside. And you don't know how he's going to choose. And Jesus did that on purpose. He's looking at the Pharisees. And he's like, that's you guys. You're standing, not you guys. I'm saying he's at the Pharisees. And he's saying... That's you guys. You guys are outside of the house. You're separated from God and you're mad because these guys are coming to Christ and you're there and all you have to do is come in. That's all you have to do. And the choice is up to you. And we tell them when we give them the story, we're like, the reason the story ends like that is because you don't know how he's going to choose. Just like you. The choice is yours. The story is so perfectly told to leave you, the reader, in the story, ready to choose, which one are you going to be? Are you going to be that sinner that comes in? Or are you going to be that self-righteous man that stands outside in his own dignity, right? In his own pride. Which one are you going to be? You're going to make a choice. We all have to make a choice. So standing at the crossroads means you have to choose which way you will turn. And what is often called getting saved or becoming a Christian is what the Bible calls repentance. It simply means to turn. In the Bible, it means to turn from your sin to God. And it involves two things, just believe in Jesus Christ and receive Jesus Christ. So we just walk them through that, what they need to do. And we say, all you got to do is just pray. And there's people that are out there, they're like, oh, you don't have to do a sinner's prayer to get saved. And that, that's probably true. That's probably true. You know, but in my mind, I just, it's hard for me to separate the two. 
And maybe that's my own inadequacy or my own inability to understand it. But if, if I like do something that really makes Mindy mad, right? And I just really fracture our relationship. And then I, I go over, you know, I'm by myself and I'm like, man, I really blew it. I really feel bad about that. I should, I should never do that again. And man, it's just awful. Now that's good, right? I mean, I should feel that way, but am I done? Is, is that it? Uh, I mean, I, I, I need to go make it right with her, right? I need to go and talk to her and, and tell her those things. I, I don't understand how we can be made right with God because we say, man, I know that that's true and I'm a sinner and I did this and man, and I really believe in this and okay, so I'm just gonna, and we just never talk to him to say we don't ever go to him and like, and tell him these things. I don't even know how you can separate the two being made right and, and not talking to the one that you've offended and say, man, not only I offended you, but thank you so much for your grace. You know, I don't know what they, and, and I understand the hesitation because a lot of the revivalists, you know, they have the whole raise your hand, sign the card, and you just say this little prayer that we printed out for you and you get your ticket to heaven. I get it, man. Okay. It's very cheap. And we understand how it's been cheapened and misused, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. These people that you're talking to, when you explain all this to them, they don't know what to do next. You have to walk them through it. Even Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when he gave this elaborate uh, gospel message, even then, these people who were experts in the pricked at the heart, and they said, what? What do we do now? They don't know what to do. You have to walk them through it. And I think a sinner's prayer is so helpful to say, this is kind of what you say. Now, you say it in your own words, but here's kind of what you would say. But don't say it if you don't mean it. That's why I tell that, you know, don't say this if you don't mean it. This is just to help because we don't know what to say, you know. We have to do that with our kids, right, when they get in fights, you know, and they're like just standing there, you know, and they're like, okay, you tell him you're sorry. Now you tell him you're sorry. We got to tell them what to say because they don't know what to say. And, uh, and they're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know, and then they make up and everything's fine. You have to tell them what to do because they don't know what to do. We can't assume that they do. So I think a sinner's prayer, really bring them to the end. Bring them all the way. Don't leave anything, okay, out there. Bring them all the way to the end, you know, and help them to receive Jesus Christ. So then we have that discussion at the end, you know, which brother are you to promote discussion? And um, so that's it. That's the whole, that's the whole gospel course. And, uh, and you can take this and listen, what do I really hope that people always do? If, if I ever write anything, or if I produce anything, if I preach a sermon, if I give a technique or something like that, what I really hope people will always do is I hope that you will take this and you will look at it and you will say, you know, eh, it's mediocre. And I hope you'll take it and make it better. Make it, make it yours, make it better write your own and make it even better. And then we'll all have a better tool to use. That's the only thing, reason I wrote this is for Paul at my church so he could take it and so he could lead his sister to Christ, which he did. And she got saved and now he took her through brand new and her and her husband are now part of our church. And it was just a tool. That's all it was. I hope that this will be a tool for you, that you'll take it and that you will make better tools 
that we can all use. Because the only thing that we want at the end of the day, we just want more people to hear the gospel. We want more people to get saved. And if this tool helps you to do that, then praise the Lord. If this tool does not help you to do that, then please do not use it. Do not use it. Only use it if you think it's going to help you to get the words and to walk through through it clearly so that you can bring them all the way to the end. All right. Do we have any questions? Yeah, Madison. Oh, right. Yeah. I forget what it is. Yeah. Sorry. But I can... Holy crap. He, he, Jamal Jamal's not going to know what to do with himself, but I will. I'll give it to her and uh, we can get that distributed. That's good. He, he's really such a sweet, sweet guy. Him and his wife, Sakili, are just really, oh, they're wonderful. I, any question? I think, we're, I think we're about out of time. Yes. Uh, so I don't know whether the kiosk is uh, still open uh, for the book. So how can people get the book? Oh, right. Yes. Man, I'm bad at this. Yeah, I, I didn't even tell you how to get the book. Um, but um, the, the, you can do it two ways. Uh, obviously, uh, lffellowship.com, uh, or is it .org? I think it's .com. Is it .org? Yeah. It's com. That's what I said. Lffellowship.com. You can go there and you can buy the book, or you can just go uh, right on Amazon and put in the Gospel Course Brian Clark, and you can just buy it right off of Amazon. And you can either get it in the Kindle version or you can get uh, the hardback. I think the hardback is great. And what I recommend is that you buy like five of them, right? And you're like, of course you do. And, uh, but what I, what I mean is, is that you have a stack because when you meet with someone, you're going to want a copy for them and a copy for yourself. And I, I know each of you are going to be active doing this. So you want to have a few in reserve so that you can be having some conversations with people, you know, so that you get prepared. So you get a stack of those, get some of the brand new when they come out and just hit the ground running. All right. So no, it's not out. It's going to be, it's really down to Brandon when he gets it out, but he, sometime first of next year. Yeah. That it's when that'll come out. And uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to just send people the, I, I want, I'll just send people the pages and they'll just use it, you know, but I don't know if I'm supposed to do that. Right. Okay. Anyway, any other questions before I pray? No. Okay, good. Let's pray. Father, Lord, well, thank you so much that you've called us into the ministry and that we're able to get out there and just share the gospel with people. And I just pray, Lord, in the joy of the Lord, we would go out and we would start asking people that we would sit down and we'd walk them through and we would teach people how you take us from being broken branches uh, to being sons of God. Help us, Lord, learn how that we don't have to be a runaway and we don't have to be a rule keeper. Lord, but we can be righteous in your eyes. Help us, Lord, to go out and to share. Help us, Lord, to see how beautiful your cross is, how beautiful your blood is, how beautiful the resurrection is. For us to be so enamored with your son, Jesus Christ, that as you're lifted up and as we behold your glory, that we would be changed into the same image that we see that we would go out and just like you came to seek and to save that which is lost, we would go and to seek and to save that which was lost so that they would see how beautiful you are, so they would fall in love with you. Please help us, Lord, to go out and to share the gospel with every creature. In Jesus' name we, uh, we pray. Amen. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.